Thank you all for letting us go away last week. Uh, we had a great time in Seattle. We got to see our family. Oh, you're, over, you're looking at the screen already. All right, it's, that's the giveaway. I, I was talking about Proverbs before in November before we went away, and I said I had a few more things that I wanted to get thrown in there with Proverbs, but then we had Advent, so I was torn. How do I keep my series on Proverbs with a few more things I wanted to say, but i got to tell something about Advent and the Christmas season because we're in December. So there you have it. Proverbs is now wisdom for Christmas instead of wisdom for life. But it's still wisdom for life, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, but anyway, it was fantastic to go away last week. We got to see baby Eli. I held him for the first time. It was sweet. Uh, Mom got to hold him. We got pictures to prove it. It was awesome. And uh, just having Thanksgiving with family. I hope you got a chance to do that yourself because we really appreciate it. It's a treasured time. Um, and hopefully you'll get to see more of family during the Christmas season. That's my prayer for you. And whatever those family relationships may look like at this point, I'm praying that you will have good experiences for the Christmas season. Uh, so the Advent season that we celebrate, the word Advent literally means the coming or the appearing of Jesus. Uh, I thought of this this week and I thought, you know what? Jesus entered our world so that we could enter his. Did you ever think about that? Uh, sometimes I don't think we comprehend the gravity of the choice that he made of what he did to come live as a human. I, I, the, the closest analogy I could think of this week is, is I thought, what if Silas somehow got stolen from our house and he ended up living in some of those conditions that you always see on TV when they pull on your heartstrings with those commercials? Like I turn on TV and there's Silas with the, the distended belly and the flies on him and he doesn't have anything to eat and they're like, you know, feed the hungry children today. And, you know, what if he was just taken and living in dire poverty and horrible circumstances and disease and then somebody came and said, Silas can come back and live the prosperous life with you and be restored if you go live where he is for a while. If you sacrifice yourself to go live there, not just live there, but suffer there and die there, then he can come back and be restored. That was, the, that was the closest picture I could think of, of Jesus choosing to come and live, not, not just live, hey, I'm a human, I made you human, so oh, this is what it's like, but to actually suffer at the hands of his creation and to be killed so that we could enter into his world and be restored to him. Isn't that an amazing thought? I, I don't know how many of us would do that for our kids. I'd like to think I would. I'd like to think we all would. But the fact that Jesus did it for us, even when we didn't deserve it, is an awesome thought to think of this morning. And I hope that we are reminded to share that with people. That, that's an amazing thing that Jesus did to restore us. Mm. So last week, during Advent season, since we're talking about His appearing, Jesus is hope, uh, Jesus is peace, He's Love, he's joy, he's Christ, he's the Messiah, the anointed one. So this week we are celebrating hope, or no, peace. peace. I was just testing you. <laughs> Last week we talked about hope, this week we're talking about peace. So uh, peace, I think, has been co-opted by a lot of different groups over the years. And uh, we're going to talk about what it means to look at true peace as Christians. If you want to throw up the cartoon that I have up there, uh, there's our, one of the groups that co-opted peace. It says, this is a passive-aggressive hippie. And his shirt says, you want a piece of me? Uh, and we all groan and roll our eyes at that one. Uh, that's obviously not uh, what peace looks like. But uh, peace was a key part of the initial announcement when Jesus was born. 
when, when the angels came. You know, Jesus was born in the manger. And who was the first people that Jesus was born? The shepherds had an appearance from angels of heaven. So the angels came. And what did they say? Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. The angels appeared and they began to sing and praise and say, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And as I look at that verse, what God did in the earth produced glory in the heavenly realms. Literally, the introduction of Jesus into our existence began to create glory for God. Just the fact of his birth began to change something in the atmosphere in heaven. Him stepping into the earth. The word favor in that verse literally means delight, pleasure, or satisfaction. And God sent Jesus to come be born in the earth because His favor rested upon us. His delight, His pleasure, His satisfaction was in us, in mankind. Now, if you stop and think about that, that's pretty amazing because nobody was saved yet. Right? This is before Jesus went to the cross, right? So nobody was saved yet. We didn't have a bunch of Christians running around. Yet it says God's favor was on mankind. His delight was in us. So even while we were in the state that we were in, in our sinful nature, His delight, He loved us. His satisfaction, His pleasure was on us because we were His children. We were His creation. And so because His favor was upon us, He released Jesus to come into the earth. And it brought glory to God in the highest. Uh, that ought to be part of the good news we proclaim to people. You ever, do you ever stop and think how, what different reaction we would get from people if instead of leading off with, if you don't get saved, you're going to burn in hell forever. Right. What if we let off with, you know, God's favors on you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He sent Jesus to live on this earth so that you could have a relationship with him. Some people, that would be a huge paradigm shift yeah. to say, wow, that, that really is good news. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus loves me. He's not mad. His favors? What do you mean His favors on me? Because most people tell me how awful I am. They point out all my shortcomings and tell me I need this and that. What if we let off with His favors on you? Just like it rested upon mankind and caused Him to send Jesus to the earth. There's, is that quote up there? It says, we need to honor people for who they are without stumbling over who they are not. Why don't we do that more often? Just begin to speak to people in terms of how God sees them, of who they are. You have value. You're a child of the King. He created you. You're made in His image. His favor is resting upon you. You don't even know Him yet, but He loves you. He wants to be one with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Why don't we tell that to people instead of stumbling over who they aren't yet? Too many times we disqualify people. We look at their shortcomings and say, this is where you don't measure up and and I have a problem with it and we can't fellowship together. Blah, 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 blah. What about seeing them the way God sees them? His delight was so wrapped up in mankind in spite of our failures that he sent Jesus to release something. And this morning we're talking about what he released. He released peace on earth. Peace is the word irony. Uh, not irony like I-R-O-N-Y. That would be ironic if that was it. But it's, it's E-I-R-E-N-E. That's the Greek word for peace. And it literally means joining together. It's, it's not just the absence of strife. Because sometimes we think of peace in those terms of, hey, we're not fighting right at the moment. Sean and I are at peace because he's not yelling at me and I'm not throwing things at him. 
Sometimes we think, oh, we're at peace right now. That's not really what peace means. Peace doesn't mean the absence of strife. It literally means a joining together, prospering, and having harmony between individuals. We are actively together. We are actively uniting together, prospering together, being in harmony. How many of you know that's important for singers to do? You know, you, you don't just say, hey, we're making beautiful music together, but we're just sitting here because we're not throwing things at each other. You actually sing and you do something that blends and causes yourselves to come together. That's what the picture of peace is. When God released peace into the earth, what he was releasing was our ability to be united with him once again. We'd been far away. We'd been separated because of sin. And God said, I'm bringing peace on the earth because my favor is on you to bring you back into relationship with myself. God really does put priority on relationships. That's how everything functions. The, the kingdom works by relationships. Family works by relationships. You guys with me this morning? All right. Um, so he really values relationships. So he started out by saying, I'm going to restore peace to our relationship. We are, our relationship was broken. You were far from me. I'm going to restore the ability for you to be one with me. Then he says uh, later, uh, peace is actually a pillar of the kingdom of God. In Romans 14, he says it this way, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Man, I was was just reminded before I even go on, that verse that Rob read about peace this morning was awesome because that's the picture of peace that God's talking about. It says uh, he brought Jew and Gentile together. He broke the dividing wall of hatred and hostility and made us one man. That's what peace is. Peace is that joining together. I'm bringing you into harmony. You were divided. You were at odds with one another. You couldn't even worship in the same temple. It was, it was illegal. I'm going to tear down that wall and bring you back into harmony. That's what peace is. That's the picture that peace is. So peace is part of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Uh, that ought to be a key way to identify which kingdom is at work. How many of you know you don't need super-duper discernment 90% of the time to tell what's happening in a situation. You should be able to just look at it and say, wow, is what's going on here producing righteousness, peace, and joy? Or something different? That, that's your litmus test. Is this the kingdom of God at work? Or is this the earthly kingdom or the devil at work? It doesn't need a lot of rocket science to look at it and say, wow, there's peace is being promoted. That must be God at work. That must be the kingdom starting to let some of its fruit come out. He says uh, the kingdom of God doesn't, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. The kingdom does not manifest by legalism. By eating and drinking is what Paul's referring to there. You don't keep certain religious observances. You can't twist God's arm through your good works to cause the kingdom to manifest. In fact, the only thing that you should be worried about eating and drinking is, is a steady diet of lamb. How's that? Coming to this table. I'm I'm eating and drinking. I'm communing on the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I'm fellowshipping with Him. I am eating the right thing. And it's not my own works, my own struggle, but it's Him. Uh, It says the kingdom comes by the Holy Spirit. You receive... How about this? You receive a righteousness from God that you didn't earn. How many of you like to get stuff you didn't earn? It's like a bonus, freebie. Sweet. I didn't didn't earn that, but they gave it to me on top of what I was supposed to get. Uh, You didn't earn righteousness, but you got it. You become one with God or at peace with Him in a way that you couldn't accomplish on your own. We, we, we want to be something bigger than ourselves. We want to know God. There's been a whole history of humanity struggling to know God and how to relate to Him. And God did it for us. We don't have to struggle anymore because Jesus came. 
So you've got righteousness, you've got peace, and you get infused with supernatural joy that you didn't earn either. How's that? I'm missing Bob O this morning. He's my joy. He's my go-to joy guy. He always comes up to me, Pastor Chris, don't forget the joy. How many of you have ever had Bob O pray for you for joy? That's an awesome experience. If you've never had Bob pray for you for joy, you need to get him to lay hands on you. So we get stuff in the kingdom that we didn't earn, and peace is part of that. If we're walking in the kingdom of God, we should expect to see the fruit of righteousness, peace, and joy popping out in our lives. You know, it's, it's, somebody ought to be able to look at you and tell that you're a Christian because of the fruit that's coming out in your life. Part of it is righteousness. You know, not righteous acts because we have to anymore, but because we want to. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and He changes our motivation, our heart attitude, and causes good works to flow out from us. There should be joy coming out of us to such a degree that people around us begin to notice. Uh, you ought to be the person that people could go to to get some joy. When, when people are going through rough times and they're going through heartache. You know, I am going to grieve with those who grieve when I go do Gina's funeral on Wednesday. But I am also an ambassador of joy. Now, it may not mean I'm going to sit there and laugh in the middle of her funeral. I'm not going to do that. But I have joy. I have hope. I have something inside of me that should cause people to say, wow. You know, I, I came in here just depressed, you know, lost my grandmother, my mom, my friend, you know, I'm never going to see her again. And I should have a message, something in me, actions that cause people to say, wow, there's, there's joy, there's hope. I, there, I can see light at the end of the tunnel. Is that okay to say we should be like that? Yes. We, we should be the ambassadors of the kingdom, right? And then uh, peace with God should flow into every relationship we have. Just, just like God did for us when He sent Jesus. If we're wanting to do the works of God, we should make peace in every relationship we have or we should seek peace even with people who are our enemies. How many of you know that's, that was part of the amazing part of the deal is God sent Jesus even while we were far from Him, even while we were sinful, even while we were enemies, doing our own thing, being king of our own kingdom. He still chose to come. So peace... This is key this morning. Peace is our responsibility. It's not... Here, I, I didn't put this quote on the screen, but I wrote it down. Peace is actively released, not passively received. If, if I have a relationship that's broken, like say Sean and I are at odds or we're not getting along or we're, we've had some breakup. Not yet, but if you... If you would like to throw your iPad at me, I'll catch it and run away with it. Um, Sean and I could have a broken relationship and we could come to church every Sunday or come over for Thanksgiving dinner, sit at the same table, sit in the same row and not be at peace. It's not going to happen passively just because we're not throwing stuff at the moment. I mean, if you've ever, did you have Thanksgiving dinner where there was food flying this year? I hope not. Um, but even if there's no food flying, we could be sitting at the same table and it's broken. There's, there's no peace in our relationship and it's not going to happen just because we're in the same room together. Peace is something that's actively released. We can't just wait for it to happen. We have to take proactive steps to do it. And that's part of what Jesus did in John 14, 27. He says, my peace I give to you. Why did he give us peace? Well, because we needed it. That's a good one. Did, did he give us peace just because we needed something else to fill our pockets with? Boy, I didn't have any Jesus' peace. This is awesome that I've got it. Now I'm going to hoard it and make a little Jesus' peace collection in my library. Is that why he gave us peace? How about 
Freely you've received, freely give. Everything that you've been given, you should be giving it away. So when Jesus said, I give my peace to you, I don't think he was saying to the disciples, hey, isn't this nice that we're in relationship now? Just hang on to that for me. He was saying, give it away. The same way I gave it to you, it's meant to be given to others. There's something proactive that we have to do to release the peace of Christ. When he sent out his disciples, how about this? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told his disciples that they could actually choose whether or not to give their peace away. When he sent them out to go into the world, in Matthew 10, 13, he says, If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. Peace is your choice. You, you get to actively choose, just like I might have money in my pocket. I, if I have a couple dollars in my pocket, I can actively choose to take them out and give them away. Just one. Or, no, not for Grammy. I could actively choose, I'm going to be selfish and put it back in my pocket. We do that sometimes with the things God's given us. He gave us peace so that we could take it out and begin to give it. Just, here's some peace for you. Here's some peace for you. That's right. You get it all anyway. Um, (laughs) Mom's sitting there thinking, I wish Dad were here to see this. Chris gave me money. (laughs) Oh, peace is our responsibility. The release of peace to mend relationships. So if my relationships were broken with, with Sean... The release of peace in that relationship is my responsibility. I get to choose whether or not to, to pull out some peace and begin to mend the fences. This, this is not just coexist without yelling at each other, okay? This is, this is peace. This is not be able to sit at the Thanksgiving table without cussing each other out. Peace is actively released. So I said I would get to Proverbs somehow. So here's, here's some wisdom in, for peace and relationships for you. And I'll tell you how this ties together. Proverbs chapter 6. That's nice of you. Mom's collecting my money, give, saying, give it back to him when we're done. <laughs> I don't let everybody do this all the time while I'm preaching. But it's my mom and it's... And her mom's here. With the spirit, we were at uh, Carnegie. A group of us went to see a a well-known evangelist in town. And the Lord spoke to one of us to take the $20 out of your pocket and give it to your buddy. And before you know it, that $20 was spread. It it just went around. And it was like the Lord teaching us how to give, not to hold on. So Mm -hmm. I don't don't know what happened to the 20 but (laughs) (laughs) we didn't hang on to it. That's right. It gives a whole new meaning to I'm the buck stops here guy. <laughs> you know, it's not just money. I mean, that's it's money can be used for practical examples. Jesus used it to teach with all the time, but it implies so much more than just pulling two dollars out of your pocket and give it to somebody. Uh, wisdom for peace and relationships. Proverbs chapter six says this: There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. And he gives you the list, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. Uh, It says the Lord hates these things. Hate can range, uh, if you look up that word in the scripture, hate can range from just uh, opposition, I'm opposed to that, I don't want to do it, to intense hatred. So wherever God falls on that, that spectrum, 
you know that they are things that God doesn't want us to be doing. He hates them. He opposes them. He's set against people that act this way. Uh, but then he uses the word detestable. Seven things are detestable to him. That literally means disgusting or repulsive. What is, this could be dangerous being the church of too much information, but what is the grossest thing that you can think of? What have you ever experienced that you're just like, ooh, not not touching that, not going to go, don't even want that in the same room with me. We, we had, I won't be too graphic, but we had an experience on the plane. Somebody several rows in front of us uh, didn't, couldn't get the bag out of their seat in time, I guess, and threw up all over the plane. So that was not the most disgusting thing I've ever experienced, but it was up there because it's like I'm in an enclosed little airspace with somebody and it's, yeah, it was gross. Worse than that, whatever the most disgusting thing you can think of, that's the picture. God hates these things on this list. They're disgusting to Him. It repulses Him. He doesn't want us to do them because of the stench in our lives. Uh, This list, interestingly, involves your whole body. There's eyes, tongue, hands, feet on there, your heart. He's talking about your whole person being involved in making peace because what happens on this list? These are all things that steal peace from relationships. These are all things that cause relationships to be broken. It says there's six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. You could think, oh, well, did the guy just change his mind halfway through writing the verse? He he had a good list of six, and then he thought, oh, yeah, there's that other one that God really hates too. I might as well add that one on the list. Uh, Seven is the number of completion. And the, the seventh item listed on this list is the natural conclusion of doing all the other ones on the list. If you do those things on this list, you will be a person that stirs dissension among your brothers. You, you will be a person that causes strife and that breaks relationships. Uh, there are actually some translations that say it this way. There are six evils that God hates and a seventh that is an abomination. It's almost like that stirring dissension among brothers holds a special place of nastiness in God's eyes. So we don't want to be doing these things. Uh, they break relationships. What do they mean? It says haughty eyes. Uh, another translation says this, putting down others while considering yourself superior. We've, nobody in this room has ever done that, right? But we've, we've met people that have done that. I'm better than you. I've, I turn my nose up when you walk in the room. I, I don't include you in things because I think I know better. Yeah, everybody's like, ooh, hope he doesn't ask for a show of hands. And especially if you're married. There's been times of, hey, I know better. I'm just going to do what I want. I don't need to ask you. I don't need to involve you. That's haughty eyes. We we don't use the word haughty that much anymore. That's not a common saying that, that you hear every day. But that's what it means. I'm putting down others while I consider myself superior. Uh, the next thing it says there is lying tongue. That, that one's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Another translation says spreading lies and rumors. Oh, man, I hate how much we love gossip. Anybody ever hear that? And, it's, and it's, half of it's hearsay. You know, I didn't hear the person actually say that out of their mouth, but it sounds so juicy that I'm going to believe that that's true. And I'm going to spread it around to everybody else. Gossip and rumors destroy relationships. It steals the peace out of our lives. Uh, It says, hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, The other translation there says, spilling the blood of the innocent. 
that one's pretty straightforward. Don't kill anybody, please. Don't, don't do that. Uh, but the more I thought about it, I thought that is an indictment on abortion. We're shedding innocent blood every time we take the life of a baby. And it's something that God hates. It's detestable to Him. Talk about breaking a relationship. You never even have a chance for one to start. Because that baby's life has been taken away before it even begins. So, hands that shed innocent blood are on the list. Uh, Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Or no, hearts that devise wicked schemes. Uh, The other translation says, plotting evil in your heart towards others. Do you ever meet anybody like that? They don't care who they step on to get ahead at work. They, They don't care who they take advantage of to get what they want in the end. That's a heart that devises wicked schemes. You steal peace from relationships when you take advantage of people. Feet that are quick to rush into evil... Uh, The the Passion Translation there says, gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. Did you ever meet anybody that's excited about sin? You just talk to them like, man, can't wait. We're going to get wasted this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Or maybe you see that guy that's taking advantage of people at work and you think, we'll fix him. We've got a plot to make him look bad in front of the boss and he deserves it. It's going to be awesome when he gets his comeuppance. You don't get to do that. God says he's the one that takes care of vengeance. And he's the judge of all the earth. You you get to pray for that person. You get to forgive them. You get to lay down your life. And you need to not be rushing into evil. You need to not be plotting in your heart those things. Gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. Uh, The next one is a false witness who pours out lies. These are all things that steal peace from our relationships. Uh, the other translation says spouting lies and false testimony. That means somebody thinks you're trustworthy. They think you're telling the truth. Anybody ever had somebody trying to plead with you and get you to do something and they start by saying, I swear it's the truth. Anytime somebody has to say, I swear it's the truth, that's a bad sign right there. It, it, it's like a flag for me. of I might not be able to trust what's the next word's about to come out of your mouth. You know, If your character and your integrity doesn't speak for itself, then we need to go back and start relaying the foundations of what we say and who we are. We, we should never have to convince people, I swear I'm telling you the truth, Sean. I wanted to make up with you, but, you know, we've been... A... Or, oh, man, I was thinking there's probably a whole bunch of young men and young women that the guy says, I swear, baby, I love you. Believe me this time. Now, I don't care how I acted last time. I, I'm, I'm changed. I'm a different. I swear I'm different this time. And that ought to be a clue. Turn around and go the other way. Find someone else. Nobody in this room's ever heard that, though, right? <laughs> All right, a couple people. Spouting lies and false testimony. That's bad. God hates those things. And the last one on the list was a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. And the other translation says, stirring up strife between friends. And I love the the message translation actually says, a troublemaker in the family. Do you ever have anybody like that in your family? Why can't they just let everybody else be happy? Why do they have to ruin everything? Or why, you know, they're always going around trying to turn the family against each other. Somebody that actually takes, here's, here's a tight bonded relationship already. And I come and I try to drive a wedge and separate them and make them upset at each other. That's stirring up dissension between brothers. If we're doing any of these things on this list, 
Stop it. There you go. It's my Bob Newhart advice for the day. Stop it. I'm going to have to show that clip in church sometime. You ever guys ever see that Bob Newhart? This, this lady comes in. Um, the young people are like, who's Bob Newhart? And he was a psychologist and on TV. He was a, it was a comedy show. And he had this lady one time. She comes into the office and he says, okay, here's the rules. Uh, it's only, you know, a charge per minute for my visit. So you're only going to, you're probably going to need to pay for about three minutes. And she's like, this is weird. You know, I've never had any counseling session that was only three minutes long. And he's like, okay, so what's the matter? And she starts telling him, well, yeah, I, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box or something like that. And he's listening and he says, okay, here's, here's my prescription for you. And she's, she's listening. She gets out her pad of paper. She's going to write it down. He leans over her desk. He says, stop it. Just stop it. That's stupid. You shouldn't be afraid of that. Just stop it. So <laughs> I think uh, she tells him two or three other problems, and he ends the skit by telling her, if you, if you don't stop it, I'm going to bury you alive in a box. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Um, am I allowed to say that from the pulpit, that I thought that was funny, that I laughed at that? It was, if you're doing any of the things on this list, just stop it. Please stop, stop, stop. Jesus came. He appeared. His advent came to release peace into the earth so that we could be at one with him, peace in our relationship. And that oneness could cause his peace to flow to every other relationship we have. He means for us to be actively releasing peace. We are agents of peace in this land, just like yeast. The kingdom of God's like yeast that works through the whole dough until it gets leavened. We're supposed to be in the world working through the whole dough, releasing peace everywhere we go until the relationships are whole and strengthened and strong again. There's something about peace that we need to release. And it comes by the first place is making sure we're not participating in what's happening on this list. Because these are things that are detestable to God because they destroy relationships. And relationships are how things work in the kingdom of God. In fact, if we're doing the things on this list, it it reminded me of Romans 6.13. You are actively giving your members to sin if we're doing any of the things on this list. If you don't remember anything else, that ought to be simple, cut and dry, rubber meets the road. Okay, God hates these things. I shouldn't do them. How's that for simple this morning? There you go. We are the keep it simple church besides being TMI. We're keep it simple. Don't do things that God hates. That's a good amen point right there. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for simplifying it for me. We've been brought from death into life. We should offer our bodies as instruments of righteousness. We should be promoters of peace and not tearing down relationships. So, our challenge today, especially now that we're in the Christmas season, and I said family was so important. We enjoyed our time away of family. We're looking forward to more family. This Christmas season, let's stop doing things that God hates and actively seek to repair any relationships that are broken in our families. If, if you have some family member, some close friend, some coworker, I don't care who it is, they, are, they should be a close relationship to you and you know that the relationship is broken, I want us to seek to restore it this Christmas season. By, by December 25th, by Christmas morning or when we have people over for eating Christmas dinner, I want us to be in a place where I can act, actually say, I am at peace with everybody. And not just because we're not yelling at each other, 
but because we've actively sought to restore, to bring things together, to put ourselves back in harmony. That sounds like a really good idea, doesn't it? I would love to be a peacemaker and and have my whole family at the table, loving each other, celebrating the birth of Jesus. It made me think, you know, in Matthew, when Jesus talked about if you're offering your gift at the altar, he actually said, if, if you remember that your brother has something against you. He, he didn't even say, if you're ticked off at your brother. He said, if you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your altar, your gift at the altar. Don't, don't even go any further in worship. Go be reconciled to that person. Ouch. So it's not just me being mad at people, but if I know that the relationship's broken on their side, I need to go and release peace, even if it's their offense. I didn't even read Romans twelve eighteen, did I? Skipped right over that. That's, a, that's an ouch one too. If it's, as, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the, uh, the mirror translation says, you have within you what it takes to be everyone's friend, regardless of how they treat you. It's because the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's not, how about this? Can I say it this way? It's not just a matter of being a bigger person and saying, oh, well, I'll go apologize and try to make things right because that's haughty eyes. I'm better than you. I'm going to apologize because I'm the bigger man. You have within you what it takes to, to make that right because of the Holy Spirit. Not bec- you might be the bigger person. You might need to be the bigger person and swallow your pride. But it is trusting in the Holy Spirit to work and to mend relationships. It is the Prince of Peace manifesting Himself in your life. Alright, here's what I want to do. I want you to stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to take a picture. How's that for a plan? And just stop it. Or I'll bury you in a box. Oh, I won't say that. Uh, I'm going to cut that out of the tape. Thank you. Just delete that one from this audio. Uh, What I'm going to pray for you for is if there is a broken relationship in your life that you're thinking of, I'm just going to ask God to give you the grace and the plan and the wisdom to make it right. That's non-threatening, right? But how many of you say, I could do what God wants me to do? You can raise your hand on that one. How many of you can say, I'll do what God wants me to do? All right. You're on the hook now because you raised your hand. Well, Father, I come before you right now. I lift up the people standing in this room, the people represented uh, when we say the name New Life Fellowship, Lord, our family. Uh, God, I lift them up to you right now, and I ask that any relationship that's out of sorts, where there's, there's distance, where the relationship has been broken, it, it may not be as drastic as when we were in sin far from you, Lord God, but th- there's brokenness in the relationship. It's not in unity the way it needs to be. It's not in harmony It's not at one, Lord. I just ask where those relationships are right now that you would release your grace for healing, that you would release your grace for mending, that you would send us out even with a fresh and new feeling of your authority to release peace into the situations and circumstances of our lives. God, I thank you that you did not withhold peace from us. God, forgive us for any time where we've ever said, but you don't know what that person did to me. 
God, we know what we did to you. (laughs) And you still didn't withhold making peace with us. You still didn't withhold your own son. God, forgive us for the times when we withheld that from others. And right now, Lord, release the ability, the desire, even the want to, Lord God. If we're sitting here thinking, well, I still don't want to because you don't know what he did to me. You release the desire to be mended, to be whole, to be at peace with those people, Lord. Uh, Let us be actively engaged in releasing peace into our world. Lord, we desire to see the kingdom of God manifest in our lives in every way possible. That includes righteousness, peace, and joy in every aspect of our lives. God, I I stir an expectation within us right now for testimonies of your healing and mending power, for testimonies of restored relationships, for testimony of, of peace being released into the lives of our families. God, we love you and we honor you this morning. We thank you that we're still not able to do it in our own strength, but it's only through you and the power of your spirit working within us. We give you glory and honor this morning, and we bless your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.